Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Jane McGuire. Today we're asking, does the wall really exist? Da, da, da. I think to, to clarify, we are, we're talking about the marathon wall here, aren't we? Not the sort of Danny Dyer-led Saturday night TV show, which definitely does exist. Yeah. Um, both are quite painful, though. <laughs> therefore, are quite easily confused. But no, we are talking about the marathon wall. Um, you must have hit the wall, Jane, at some point. I definitely have. I think, I think I've probably hit the wall twice in my three marathons. But I, don't, I really don't want to put anyone off because I think the first time was because I was waiting to hit it and I think I had as soon as I got to 18 miles I was like right this is it it's gonna hurt and it did and the second time was I think because of my watch which completely sabotaged me and I'm sure our guest of the week has some better advice than I'll have um but I think my watch just went mad and I probably wasn't expecting it and it completely threw me and I think the minute I thought I wasn't going to get the time I had planned to get I gave up and I think I don't I don't think I think my mind hit the wall I don't think there was actually anything wrong with me but I think in my head I was like nope that's it not doing it um but I don't know I don't know if that's the same for everyone I think some people physically experience this wall where they feel like they can't take another step and I'm not sure I'm fast enough or good enough to have hit that (laughs) but mentally I've hit the wall (laughs) I don't think it's a. I don't think it's like a only a sort of super fast elite thing. Um, but I think it's definitely true about if you feel like you are failing, or maybe yeah. you've become fixated on a time goal and that begins to slip away. I think at that point it's very very easy to kind of mentally throw the towel in, isn't it? Yeah. And I think for that reason, particularly with say something like London that's coming up, or like you know Brighton Marathon, um, Manchester Marathon as well. Like they're great events in themselves, and I think actually. There's nothing wrong with having a, a sort of plan B mm. as well. And that plan B being mostly about, okay, if it's not going to plan, because like it, that can happen in marathon, I'm going to, at least I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. I think that would sort of mitigate against sort of the chances of just having a sort of hellish last eight miles where you realize you're not going to hit the time and then it yeah. sort of becomes very, um, like a long way. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's so true. I think in, in Berlin, um, I, my goal wasn't to get the time I wanted to get. It was to run a negative split, which is sounds mm. like I know a lot more about running than I do. Um, <laughs> but it's basically where you run the second half of your marathon quicker than the first half. Yeah. Um, and I think I was so focused on doing that that I wasn't worrying about my watch and the time and the water things being crowded or where the pacer was. Mm. or I was just worried about getting quicker towards the end. 
Um, and I think that really helped. So I think you're right. I think, you know, sure, plan A is to get a PB, but plan B is to just run run this bit quicker or to, you know, get round the course or to enjoy it or to try and spot people that have come out to support you. And I think having all of those little goals will make that big goal better um, and hopefully mm. not not make it such a a big thing if things don't go to plan because nothing in yeah. life goes to plan really does it so let's not worry about it <laughs> i agree and i think the, the final thing i'd say is that um you know you can think that um that things are falling apart in a marathon because it gets because of course it becomes very challenging mm. after the 20 mile mark um and that that's the best marathon i ran uh, i ran i actually walked i think on three occasions but only only very shortly but it was it was kind of to get some fuel in and i felt like the whole thing was falling apart and i actually looked back and i probably lost a couple of minutes yeah and it was and it was still good enough to, to run a pb so i kind of think actually so often it isn't going as badly in, in those last miles as, as you might think and actually it's, it's just about persevering and, and and eventually um the finish line will come and you actually may not lose anywhere near as much time as you um as you fear yeah. in those moments it's just about pressing on with it and um at the finish it feels amazing doesn't it so it's all worth it yeah and i think one thing that my um my older brother who was a much better runner than me um i remember seeing him that must have been 21 22 when everything goes a bit blurry and you can't quite see um and i remember saying to him no i can't do it i'm just going to walk in from here and he just said to me trust in your training you have run this far before like trust in that and i think that is probably for any people Mm. who are stressing about this wall and pacing and fuel just trust that you've you know a lot of people listening to this especially training for your first marathon you'll probably have been training for this for near enough two years with all the lockdowns and and that's more training than most people would ever put in so just trust in Mm. that if you're scared about hitting the wall hopefully this will reassure you but if it doesn't trust in your training it'll all be fine the day is a celebration not not the kind of hard bit but if if you do hit the wall it'll all be fine and you will get to the finish line and you will have a beer and you will have the best time and it'll all be great yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I think um, yeah, we, we chatted with um, with James Paul about this, and James, uh, for those who don't know him, is serial marathon runner and ultra runner. Um, he's a founder of Advent Running, which is a great uh, running club, uh, really kind of uh, inclusive and accessible. So worth checking out if if those are the sort of values that you're looking for in running clubs. Uh, James, yeah, he, he's he's definitely pushed himself uh, into the wall on occasions, uh, and he's just actually just come back from. Uh, looking at uh, the UTMB in Chamonix on the weekend. So, yeah, he's very plugged into to the world of running. So I thought he'd be a good person to to talk to, a kind of wise head and some kind of hard, some hard-won wisdom that he could provide um, regarding hitting the wall. So should we get him on? Yeah. Guest of the week, here in the studio. Guest of the week, sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete, could be a physio, or a complete unknown. I thought, who's who's out there that's been pushing himself for a few years? Who's definitely hit the wall? And I thought, I know, I know the man. It's James Paul. He's hit the wall before. He must have done. Yeah, I'm probably <laughs> fair to say that's true. <laughs> so, from what you know, what is the definition of hitting the wall? I.e., what's happening physiologically when someone hits the wall? So I should start with a caveat. I'm not a sports scientist, so 
know, there's going to be better people out there. That, you've, um, you've, you've done some Wikipedia in, uh, and you, uh, yeah, and you've I've been out. running a long time, and so uh, yeah, I guess you and I, you know, and I'm a qualified coach, so I, you know, do, you do read around these things, and yeah, I think it's an yeah. interesting, um, really interesting subject. Obviously, uh, people get very focused on it. it affects, I suspect, expect most runners at some point during their their running career, particularly at the marathon distance. Now, well, I think what we're talking about, I guess, that we're all on the same page, is this feeling this effect that happens at around about 20 18 to 20 miles of a marathon sometimes above 20 sometimes less than 18 i guess <laughs> yeah um where the body you forces you or you're forced to slow down and i think you know, to, you, to your pre your preamble you send me um often i think it's the you know the, the head that forces you to slow down as much or not if not more than the body but effectively it's about when uh, the body uses all its stored energy all its glycogen stored either stored either in the um, the muscles or the liver and forces runners to to reduce their pace or you know, in some cases even walk or in worst cases give up yeah i think for a non-sport scientist james that was a very very good answer thank yeah, you yeah that much. was a wikipedia like dictionary you <laughs> just get really caught up in the comp- you know in the sports science bit and the complications and and there are some super good studies that go even more you know go in depth into that and people should you know, have a read if they're it's def- definitely if you're in the performance end of the spectrum, because not everyone wants to run a marathon to break two hours or to win. A lot of us are out there just doing it for the first time or just for fun, you know? Yeah, totally. I think um, one thing our listeners like is stories of when things go wrong. So can you tell us about hitting the wall and, you know, the, the, the most memorable time you crashed into that wall? Yeah, and I think it's it's one of those things that's almost inevitable. And I wouldn't say it's ever pleasant or ever something you want to do. But I think it also, to, you know, if you if you fail, then you learn something. If you're always successful, then you know maybe you learn something too. But you tend to learn less. I think it's the, the epic fails where you can go back and perhaps you beat yourself up a bit, and people you know a bit, can be a bit hard on themselves. But also, it's a time you can look at what happened. And I could give you, I guess, my biggest bonk my biggest uh hitting the wall and that was i did the berlin marathon and I, I was just trying to think back i think it was 2015 i ran the berlin marathon and then the chicago marathon two weeks later which was probably a bit stupid but you know you get excited and i think i got the lottery for both and so there i was two weeks later i ran 259 at berlin so i was pretty happy with that but you know as, as we all do 259 i thought i could run you know much quicker i finished 259 didn't bonk had a good race broke three hours uh so of course went you know, full of confidence went to berlin two weeks later worked um for, for two weeks in the us and the time differences weren't, weren't very good obviously the six hours difference so my london office was ringing me in the middle of the night asking me about things so i had this a kind of quite tumultuous week in the run-up to chicago went to chicago and thought I could run like 252 or something, which, you know, six, six, seven minutes doesn't sound very much, but I know Rick, you, you've run some pretty fast marathons and you know that you know, taking six or seven minutes off the nearer you get to, I guess, two hours, let's call, you know, effectively zero, the fastest you can possibly go, the bigger that those chunks of time, how important they are and how more difficult they are to achieve. Obviously, if you go from five hours to four hours, 30 to four hours to three hours, 30, they're big chunks and they're relatively easy. But once you get down to that bit, it's a it's a matter of five or six seconds a kilometre, which doesn't sound very much when you break it over 42 kilometres. Anyway, uh, yeah, 
went out way too hard, got to 20 miles, hit the wall, uh, ended up with this sort of awful run, walk, felt like the last six miles took as long as the previous uh, 20 miles. Because it's awful, you just, you know, and, and a lot of it's actually in your head as much as it is in, in the body. And then I ended up running 3.13. So, you know, 2.52 to 3.13 is 20 minutes difference in what I targeted. And, what, and I think that's what's happened. And that's what makes avoiding the wall so important is that it doesn't just knock a couple of minutes off your time. It knocks you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It knocks a huge chunk of time off because you go from running sub seven minute miles or whatever to nine minute miles and those two minute every you know every mile two minutes slower you've got six miles to go there you go 12 minutes on the back of, on the back of a fag packet maths it, it's it's really easy to end up in that place where your 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 time's destroyed it's a really interesting example that james because where you say you went off too quickly and then you hit the wall there'd be another way of phrasing that wouldn't there say so i went off really quickly and i, and I just got really tired and I, would, and, and I could do that in a 10K. You know, I, I could go off at a 10K and, and try and run three minutes faster than, I, than I'm able to. And after six kilometers, I could hit, hit the wall in some senses. But physiologically, that's very different, isn't it? Because I'm... I think the sports side for a marathon would tell you it, it is it is cycle um, physiological as well as as well as obviously the, the the brain telling you. But but I think also yeah absolutely for five and ten k. So I think the the thing that makes the marathon so hard and one of my favourite distances to run is is this balance between speed and endurance. I think you can you can bonk, you know you can bonk in a half marathon. I've done that as well. I haven't got a good story of it, but I, but the difference is if you bonk at twelve miles. You have one mile, and let's say you like my previous analogy, you go down to running nine-minute miles instead of seven-minute miles. You lose two minutes in that last mile. As where with the marathon, it comes earlier, so it comes at twenty mm. miles, and then you lose two minutes a mile for six miles, and you have this massive. Dip. You can sort of muscle it through in the half marathon. The short, you know, the unpleasantness is is there. You hate it. You walk a little bit. You run a bit. You get to the finish line. I think it's with the. With the marathon distance, it just it really cuts you know cuts you down if you don't if you haven't done the training and you haven't maybe taken on the, the glycogen and had a fueling strategy during the race that gets you over that that lump. I think that, I think I think that the sports science would back that up for the for the marathon. I think you're absolutely right. Five k, ten k, even the faster end of half marathon, so quicker than ninety minutes or quicker, is probably going to be assuming you start fueled. It's going to be aerobic endurance rather than the glycogen i.e you've got too fast you know? but i do think to your point the years that i've run well or races i've run well it's been i haven't started too fast and my pace has been almost to the second every kilometer i'm in my 20 around 244 uh in 2016 and i think my, my difference between my best and my worst kilometer was maybe four or five seconds either side of my sort of target pace it was really close and i finished absolutely spent but without any slowing in the final kilometers so a lot of it comes down to i think training that you can do to, and it, it is tricky i have to say i mean that's why the marathon is such a great distance because even at an elite level we see people who don't achieve perhaps their potential because the pacing is wrong and 
the pacing is so minute. And that's perhaps the most difficult part, I think, is that we're talking about, it's 42 kilometers long, five seconds is what, five times 40, 200 seconds. So it's actually like three minutes, but it's only, each, each incremental kilometer is, you know, it's, it's not much faster or slower. And if you go up a, up, a, up a hill or down a hill, you can easily be in those tolerances. And so how do you know, you have to understand, you have to run. And I think the you know, watches and things help, but knowing that, that feel of your body of how, what it feels like to run, I don't, I'm doing I'm switching two kilometers and miles here, but let's say, you know, difference between running seven minute miles and 715 or 645 or 730 or 745 is really important because that's, it's the running to feel. The watch helps you check that you're where you think you are, but doing the miles and doing the training that allows you to know what it feels like, I think gives you a much better chance of running those even splits. And I think a lot of people who do hit the wall at 20 miles will run an incredible first half, often a PB, and then, you know, and then you, you run six miles further, seven miles further, and it all goes to pieces because, yeah, I think we all have. And I think, I think you know, that you, you can read, again, if you go through the sports science journals and you go through some of them, you know, the good magazines and things, you will see people talking about even splits or negative splits, or even, I think the elite runners do run slight positive splits, but they obviously train professionally and, you know, and, and probably harder than the majority of amateur runners like ourselves. Um, just, you know, all the whining and crying through that was my puppy, not me. I just want our <laughs> listeners to know that I'm not that moved by James's words and hitting the wall. But um, James, I've I've seen photos of you having a beer at mile 20 of the London Marathon. So can we talk about fueling and how that might help? Yeah, my number one advice is don't have a beer during the marathon. <laughs> if you want to run a new PB, that's not a, that's not a wise thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, having a fueling strategy is while you're training and during the race is, is the number one, number one. I'm going to let him out of this room because he's going to ruin this whole podcast. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> Sorry, James. Talk, talk to us about no, fueling. No, having a fueling strategy. And I think, you know, again, looking at, without you going deep into the sports science depths of these things, because you can do that, but I don't think it's as complicated as that. And I think, you know, it, it is simply you need to take on some calories throughout the race don't leave it too, you know, too late. Start early. Uh, you know, a rule of thumb is about 60 grams of carbohydrates, which is about 200 calories, which is about two gels. So if you can find a gel brand that you like or is, or is used on the course, which is even easier because it means you haven't got to carry it, uh, practice in, in training, taking two gels an hour early on. It's tricky because, you know, you only ever do the dis that distance you don't do it in training because you don't go and do most people don't do 26 miles in training so the question you have is you know how do you really practice fueling for 26 miles when you only maybe run 20 or 22 i think it's it's difficult to answer the question i've posed and i can't really have an answer for but you could do it in the 20 to 22 miles and start getting used to doing it even up from 10 onwards and thinking about if it's a two-hour run i should take four gels or equivalent and you can, there's loads of good websites out there that will give equivalent calorie intake. I think a banana is equivalent to a gel. Obviously, you know, the gels are very convenient because you get that concentrated amount of basically sugar, whether in maltodextrin or fructose or a blend of the two. 
uh, and you get it in your system very quickly. And there's, there's obvious other. So you can, you know, you can use jelly, old school jelly babies and things. They all sort of work. But the important thing is to, is to know that you have about 90 minutes of fuel stored in your muscles and your liver. Don't wait till it's all gone before you start putting the fuel in. Start early, two gels an hour. Every hour, if you're taking four hours, you need eight gels or equivalent. Find a way of carrying those or use the ones that are on the race course and stick to it and and practice. And maybe and there's, a lot, there's a lot of talk about preparing the stomach for these things. And I, I don't know whether that's just sort of make, you know, making it sound more exciting than it is, but just... You, know, you need you need to eat fuel and whatever that may be work you know works for you practice in training and and do it i think going in without a track of fueling strategy is, is a recipe for disaster this is the runner's world podcast when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you think that hitting the wall can be a self-fulfilling prophecy you know you're expecting to hit a wall therefore you hit a wall and if you didn't know about the wall you might not hit anything yeah i think so i think it's definitely i, I like to think of it as, i think it's the monkey on your shoulder that you get at like 18 19 20 miles this the sort of self-doubt that creeps in and that maybe yeah you, people talking about it on podcasts propagates the uh, the whole the whole story right um but i think it's obviously there's obviously a physiological thing but if you did everything else right, and you may, might still expect to hit the wall, and I think if you got, I think you can you can you can do everything to to make yourself lucky if you like. You can make your own luck. You can you can train, and I think one of the training things that no one really looks at is training more at the longer end of above half marathon training. I don't think people spend enough time in that in that area. So you build up. The resilient your resilience your body needs to run 26 miles they do you know they start the long runs and they make it up to 22 by you know with a few weeks before the race i think people should probably you know look at 16 week training plans and try and be in that 13 to 20 mile space regularly and build up the endurance and build up the because you're banging your feet on the ground very simplistically for two three 
four, five, six hours, if you can build up the muscular strength that you need to be to, to be a be better run economy, practice the fueling, get the pacing right, then and then not worry about the, the wall. I think the, the wall is, is you know is obviously there physiologically from, but if you can do plenty of things and then yeah, and then don't think about it and just focus on instead of drifting off focus. I think people forget that it's you have to focus in a race and keep thinking about what do you feel like. And this is why training and the longer ends, because you're more regularly like to feel, what do my legs feel like? You know, what, what, what's my breathing? What's my heart rate like? You know, it's the watches and things are really good because they can give you a number, but being able to feel that your heart rate is perhaps, is this sustainable? I guess is the question you have to ask, keep asking yourself during the marathon and not drift off and think, oh, only six miles to go. Here comes the wall. I think if you can focus on something yourself, probably, um, in those last heart, in those last six to eight miles, when it gets hard, that's probably stops you worrying about, stops one worrying about the the, the war, perhaps. No. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think yeah. um, we'll be creating mass panic for all the new marathon runners who are listening to this. But I think you make a really good point. I think for me, the times I've hit the wall would be when my watch, and I think no one tells you that your watch luck will not work on marathon day. It just will not work. And you look down at your watch and it tells you you're running a minute slower than you, you know you are. What do you do on, your, on the marathon day to stop your tech ruining your chances, I guess? So I do have a very quick story. I ran the Boston Marathon in 2018. And I, you know how sometimes the watches do this like calibration thing? So as I pressed the start button, as I went over the line at Boston Marathon, my watch said, do the, the figure of eight calibration. So I'm literally running the first kilometer of the Boston Marathon doing this like figure of eight sign. <laughs> and then in the end, I was just like, this is, this is I mean, I need to No one can see it, but James is doing the figure of eight. Yeah, and it looks can't. great. <laughs> I'm doing yeah, like a figure of eight sign. Um, and in the end, it just pushed the button. I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And just pushed the button and let, and let it run. And it was telling me I was doing three minute kilometers and 40 minute kilometers. And it was just strangely at the end of the race, it came in at like 42.9 kilometers or something. And it was pretty close to my time, but it was horrendous all through. But at this point, 2018, I'd run, you know, 50 or 60 or I don't know, I lost count how many marathons. But so, you know, it was more of a measure of just stopping me going too fast early. And that's when I tend to use it, which is this, to this point we talked about, about going off too quick. It was like a little bit of a measure because particularly Boston has some downhill sections that you don't want to be running too hard too early and using the, that glycogen faster. If, if I'm well-trained, I've got 90 minutes of glycogen, but if I start too fast, maybe I've got 70 minutes. I mean, you don't know. Again, it, it's, it's, you could probably work it out if you went to a lab and you could do all the tests and repeatedly, but ultimately you, you, know, you pick this number at the start line, a pace you're going to follow. And you, again, you, you can't be exact about it, but you know, I think I was like, Three oh um, uh, four oh six a kilometre or something like that, and that's the number I decided was the right number, and that's the number I wanted to run to. So, tech can be very useful, but you've got to, you know, do the if you do the training and you know the feel. I think this is true of shorter distance as well. I've encouraged people recently um, to just stick a bit of black tape over their watch and run some five k's without worrying about the pace on their watch because maybe that's they're underperforming because they're so fixated that they think they can't go faster than X speed. When actually, if they just ran to, to feel, again, they might crash and burn, but at least they'd learn something. 
You know, it's where if you always, if you think you can't run for faster than five minute kilometers, then you probably never will. So if you follow your watch and it says five kilometers and you say, what the hell, go out and try it on a shorter distance where if you do fail, it's not the end of the world and not too painful and learn something new. So I think the tech is super helpful, but it's a, a, a yardstick rather than the be all and end all. Yeah. You know, my favorite, my favorite thing to, to pick up at the London Marathon Expo, it's not a new pair of shoes. I don't think people should be doing that. It's one of those LucasAid wristbands yeah. that has your time mm. on it. Because um, obviously, like you guys are saying, you're going to run further than 26.2 miles and do the marathon. You probably run close to maybe, maybe close to 27, actually, if, you, if you're having to weave a little bit. And actually, yeah, following the, the numbers on the wristband, which tell you what, you're, what, not, you know, what you should say on your watch when you actually cross each mile marker. So useful. And it's so easy. And, you don't, and it's like, it doesn't weigh anything. Doesn't cost anything. Absolutely, I use it, yeah, it's really good. The watch sometimes is out from the mile markers as well, so you can. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. every year people complain that the courses are too long, too short. I mean, I, I've run championship courses like like Boston, where I've run on the blue line and come in, and the, it's been longer, always longer than the distance. You, so it's probably the watchers that inaccurate because they, you know, they they spend a lot of time measuring the exact level, the exact course. So, yeah, I mean, but obviously the marker on the side of the road plus your wristband that tells you what time you need to to go through is super useful. Those paper things, and I think um, Pace Pocket even do a printed one, don't they? So, which you can put your one of your those eight or whatever gels in and carry it on your arm. So um, yeah, there's there's plenty of options to to go to the expo and, and just tattoo. You can, can we do uh, a tattoo? <laughs> tattoo maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Quite extreme, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Jane, thanks again. And uh, yeah, have a, have a good rest of the day. And thanks very much for, for your time. This is the Runner's World Podcast. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World Podcast. Thanks very much to our guest, James Paul, and to you, of course, for listening. You can once again subscribe to three issues of Runner's World for just £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk forward slash Runner's World podcast to get get this exclusive listener offer. You can listen to the Runner's World UK podcast on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. Just search Runner's World UK and please do click subscribe. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.